We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Entering the Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings. Week 14, injuries, DraftKings ownership. If you have a question about Week 14, pump it in the comment section of this video after you smash the like. You know what? Even if you don't ask a question, smash the like button to the video anyway, because that's really going to help us out. But if you do want a question for Week 14 and you want to guarantee it gets answered, dump it in there by like, I don't know, 7 a.m. You know what? Just by the end of Saturday evening. I'll wake up on Sunday and answer any of the ones I haven't previously gotten to. I am live 10 a.m. Eastern Time this Sunday with Brad Evans. We'll be doing our question and answer period around 10.35 a.m., Eastern time. So if you want to roll the dice and maybe your question gets selected out of that, we just have too many to get to with the time constraints that we have. But if you want to guarantee you want to get your question answered, of course, just dump it in the comment section of this video. You're listening to the audio podcast. Go rate and review, please. Also, if you want to get the projections, you want to get the ownership projections, the optimizer, head on over to ftndaily.com. Code Mayo gets you an extra discount, but with only a few weeks left, plus playoffs, obviously, uh, it's already highly discounted. The full well, actually, the basketball package is still in the early bird special right now at ftndaily.com. If you're interested in fantasy basketball for the year, especially on DraftKings, go over there. The code Mayo will get you a discount on the early bird special already. The prices go up on Monday, so if you are interested in doing that, I highly suggest you go do that now. All right? Rankings also in the description. And subscribe to Mayo Media Network. We're on the push to get 20,000 subs by the end of the year. We're at 18,000 right now, so we need two more thousand of you. And I see you commenting out there, the people that have not subscribed to the channel. So please, you know, it takes like two seconds. Help us out, all right? To jump in to the injury report for Week 14, starting off with Houston and Chicago, the early slate of games. David Johnson is in COVID tracing protocol. He is out for Sunday, which means I have 
have elevated Duke Johnson up into the rankings. And again, if you want to see the entire rankings where everyone sits at their position in the rankings and on DKPlaybook.com, Brandon Cooks is likely in. Farrow Brown is out, which should mean more routes run and more reps overall in terms of snap share for both Jordan Aikens and Daniel Fells, who had seen Farrow Brown eat into their production just a little bit because Farrow Brown, a notoriously good blocker, been on the field because, you know, the Texans can't block. They need to protect Deshaun Watson. So expect Chicago's defense to move up in the rankings just a little bit, too. I don't love them because they really generate very little pressure on the quarterback, but it seems like anyone can generate pressure on the Texans at this point. And you always have to hedge against Deshaun Watson beating said pressure, escaping, and then just going downfield. So it's a tricky situation. They're a number 10 in terms of the defense ranking so far this week. Dallas and Cincinnati, Ezekiel Elliott is dealing with an injury, although he is going to play. I wouldn't expect him to be like 90% of the snaps, though. We'll see some Tony Pollard in this game. Not to say to start Tony Pollard, but temper your expectations a little bit with Ezekiel Elliott this week. Not that you probably have a ton of expectation, although this is the best matchup he's seen in quite some time. On the other side of the ball, it had previously looked like Brandon Allen in his chest injury, which forced him out of week 13, was not going to start a quarterback, but... Now it looks like he's going to play. So Brandon Allen back under center. Great news, I guess, for the Cowboys defense. And T. Higgins is going to be a game-time decision trending towards in with his injury right now. But monitor that, because I do like T. Higgins if he ends up going. That's where, I wouldn't say the majority, but the vast plurality of the targets from Brandon Allen have been going. So keep an eye on T. Higgins. I think he's playable if he plays, but not as a great option. as like a top 36 option. So he'll make wide receiver three status for the week with upside because he's always a good red zone presence. With Brandon Allen, the prop that you should be looking for is the Drew Sample over. Guy loves throwing to Drew Sample, who sucks, but ends up with like seven targets a week, like four catches for 35 yards. If it's anything over, let's say, two and a half receptions over three receptions, I would definitely take the over on that. I don't think many people are digging into the Drew Sample market as it pertains to props. On that Sunday show, Brad and I will have our five favorite props of the week. I might not do five. I might do less, depending on how many props that I end up liking. Brad will have his fade five, though. He's been doing pretty well recently. Kansas City and Miami, Salvin Ahmed and Matt Brader are both out once again. DeAndre Hopkins, DeAndre Hopkins, DeAndre Washington may return for this game, but all Miles Gaskin all the time. Let's go. Clyde Edwards-Alaire likely in, although he was in last week and didn't play. It does seem like he should return to at least the role that he had seen previously. He's not a great start. I have him in the low 20s in the running back ranking, still slightly nudged ahead of Le'Veon Bell, but you should have better options at this point in time. Maybe you don't. I don't know. But like Mike Davis is a better option this week with Christian McCaffrey out. Arizona and the Giants. Kenyon Drake is likely going to be in. Keep an eye on him, though, because he popped up Friday with a hip injury on the injury report. And we've seen Chase Evans destroy the Giants before. That was last year. DeAndre Hopkins likely in. Daniel Jones practiced on full on Friday. He could be a go for this game, which would bump up the Giants receivers a little bit. I have him back in the rankings. I don't think he himself is all that great of a start, but at least he can throw the ball more than, I don't know, six and a half yards downfield, which could really help out Evan Ingram, who he loves, and Sterling Shepard in terms of not just receptions and target share, but actually getting some yardage on the back end of that. The only Giant I'd really go out of my way to play, I guess you got to play Ingram at this point, just because tight end is so soft, is Wayne Gallman. But Sterling Shepard enters, like I'd have him ahead of T. Higgins, put it that way. He'd be like wide receiver number 31, that range. And Darius Slayton still seems like he's banged up despite not being on the injury report. A lot like Jerry Judy in a way where they're clearly playing through something and they're not 100% and it's severely impacting their fantasy value. So just keep him on the bench. Minnesota and Tampa. 
Here we go. Alexander Madison is out once again with the appendicitis. He could return next week, which should mean a full complement of snaps for Dalvin Cook once again. Kyle Rudolph and his Ironman streak very much in jeopardy. He is likely going to be out this week. Reports are that he is really trying to play in this game to keep the streak going. But uh, don't use Kyle Rudolph. Not that you probably were anyway after last week's goose egg in a really nice spot. Irv Smith and his groin injury likely to return in this game. Not an ideal matchup against the Bucks defense, although the Bucks defense maybe not quite as good uh, in real life as they are in our minds because we still just remember them shutting down Aaron Rodgers and making him look pathetic. They've been rather pedestrian ever since, ever since the Chiefs really banged them up. But coming off a of bye week, they should return to full health. I don't love the matchup, but Irv Smith is super cheap on DraftKings if you do need someone to jam in there. Uh, not my favorite of the cheap end guys, but you know he's also not going to be very popular either. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are likely to be in for this game as well. Denver and Carolina. DJ Moore is out with his ankle injury, plus he popped it popped up on the COVID tracing list. Christian McCaffrey, looking like he was going to come back. Very excited to play Christian McCaffrey. He's likely out with a quad injury now. So Mike Davis, quote-unquote, time once again. Uh, not a top 10 option, but like a fringe top 20 option this week. Curtis Samuel is likely going to play too. So he gets a severe bump up in the rankings with DJ Moore out, as does Robbie Anderson in this matchup. We even might see some Ian Thomas. Wouldn't count on it, but you know he runs routes, so he's going to be out there. He's another one of those cheap tight ends that you could potentially punt on if you wanted to. Tennessee and Jacksonville, Johnny Smith and AJ Brown both going to play this week, practice in full on Friday. Tyler Eifert is likely going to be in, as will James Robinson and LaVisca Chenault. If you've been riding James Robinson into the fantasy playoffs, and I assume you've made the fantasy playoffs if you have James Robinson on your squad, he's been very good. Divine Zigbo is the primary handcuff here. It's the time of the year where you don't need a wide receiver seven on your team or a wide receiver six. You can drop those guys that you're never going to play to have a full-time replacement. I don't know how good Zigbo would be. Would he play 92% of the snaps like James Robinson? I doubt it, but he could play like 70%, and it does seem like... They're going to get their running back the ball regardless of what happens, especially with Mike Clennon under center right now. It's the early set of games. In the late set of games, Indy and Las Vegas, the only one to really watch out for is Josh Jacobs. He's trending towards playing in this matchup. It's a tougher run defense, although Indy's defense has been rather lax the past few weeks compared to what they were earlier in the season. I just don't know how much go Jacobs has in him. Is he returning to a spot where he's going to play 75% of the snaps on a bum ankle? Probably not. Uh, so I have him, I believe, number 26 in the running back rankings. That's behind such luminaries as I suck Miles Sanders. Because I don't know how much he's going to play. It could be two snaps and he's out of there because he's wildly ineffective. I have him as the highest of the Raiders running backs. But again, that's not really saying much. So proceed with caution as it pertains to Josh Jacobs. Again, we probably won't even know whether he's playing or not unless Schefter really gets some inside info and releases that Sunday morning until after the one o'clock games have already started. So you're going to have to pick your poison with that. Jets in Seattle. I was kind of excited. Excited is probably the wrong word about Ty Johnson, but I thought it was a decent spot for him. Now it's like Frank Gore is coming back. I'd still play Ty Johnson over Frank Gore, although Adam Gase's obsession with Frank Gore continues. It continues to manifest itself. This is an old man we're talking about, coming off a concussion. Like, the guy's got the dizzy, so he probably should have sat down this week, but he's past concussion protocol. He's expected to play, so it's just a situation where just avoid it. Denzel Mims is out. He's dealing with personal matters. On the outside, expect Jeff Smith 
to fill in for him. And Jamison Crowder popped up with a calf injury. He's now a game-time decision. Braxton Berrios would take his role in the slot should he miss time in this one. Travis Homer likely out for the Seahawks, and that's about it. Green Bay in Detroit, Kenny Galladay and his bum hip. He's out. He's probably just not going to play this season. DeAndre Swift is likely going to be back. Jay Sternberger is out on the Green Bay side of the ball, and there were rumors that Alan Lazard is going to be on a pitch count, a snap count. We'll see about that as it continues to go, as he was the very popular third man in him or Robert Tunyon with a stack of Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams this week on DraftKings. So proceed with a little bit of caution as it comes to Alan Lazard. I still like him. Uh, if he's out there, you probably have to play him if you have, like, depending on the size of your league. 10-team league, you're not playing Alan Lazard. 14-team league, he could be your wide receiver three this week just because of the upside that this matchup presents as Detroit gets torched by wide receiver two so far this season in new orleans uh it's basically drew Brees is going to be out carson wentz has been benched you get jalen hurts versus Taysom hill bad news for alvin kamara although he was able to overcome the lack of receiving game work uh last week can he do it again it's gonna take a big one if he's gonna do it so i don't love kamara but you know he's running back number 13 this week so it's not like you're benching him either way unless you got supreme options in this scenario Atlanta and the Chargers. Julio is going to be out. Todd Gurley is likely to be in. Everyone else appears to be healthy. Like, there's not going to be like Troy Main Pope, probably, for the Chargers. Joshua Kelly might come back in this game. You're not really concerned about them. I would guess it's going to be Christian Blake, but it could be Zacchaeus on the I guess Zacchaeus is dealing with the toe injury. So it probably is, a, it is Christian Blake on the outside. I don't want to play Christian Blake, but, you know, you could if you wanted to, uh, as wide receiver twos have done a decent amount of damage against the Chargers and with Ridley likely on lockdown. Although in the games that Julio's missed, Ridley is averaging double-digit targets per game, and Blake has seen a bit of an increase. Russell Gage, despite the fact that you think that he would get more of a market share, really hasn't in these spots. You'd expect him to really jump off the page and be like, okay, you're now our number two. Hasn't been the case, so don't really adjust Russell Gage either way. If you were playing him before, you're probably still playing him now. If you weren't, you're probably going to send him on the bench anyway. Washington and San Francisco, Antonio Gibson is out. Expect split shares between J.D. McKissick and Peyton Barber. Obviously, it's going to be between the fives on the field, J.D. McKissick, once they're inside either their own five or the San Francisco five. Peyton Barber's probably going to be on the field. Peyton Barber is going to make madness occur in anyone who plays J.D. McKissick this week. Hopefully, McKissick can get there because he's going to be very involved in the passing game and he'll likely end up playing the most snaps but the most valuable snaps of all will still more than likely in short yardage situations go to Peyton Barber so just be cognizant of that Debo Samuel going to play for the San Francisco 49ers Pittsburgh and Buffalo got nothing James Conner's going to be back for this one too John Brown's still on IR that's about it Baltimore and Cleveland Des Bryant is likely out as we've now actually been placed on the COVID list and Austin Hooper is one to watch out for he's dealing with a neck injury he did not practice on Friday this is a new injury but this is the Monday night game so Saturday will tell whether or not at least give us a better indication whether Austin Hooper will be active for this game or not my advice just don't play him that easy Ownership on DraftKings for the week. If you're looking to mine all of the DraftKings ownership and get updates throughout the weekend, I suggest you go over to ftndaily.com. Kyle Murray's ownership projections get updated once again on Friday evening, twice on Saturday, and then after lock on Sunday if you're really digging into where the players are going to be owned this week. At the running back position, uh, a lot of people are concentrating on very much the same people. With Christian McCaffrey now out, Derrick Henry has really taken a leap up in terms of ownership. Expect him, David Montgomery, Miles Gaskin, J.D. McKissick, and Austin Eckler 
to be the five highest owned guys. McKissick really shaking up to be that cheaper version. Although Duke Johnson has opened up now towards the bottom. Ty Johnson had previously been there, but with Frank Gore returning, I wouldn't expect anyone to go to him. I have all five of these guys projected over 15% at the moment. At wide receiver, it's a little bit different. Devontae Adams is likely to be the highest owned player on the slate, which probably should translate into a lot of Aaron Rodgers teams just with that stack. If people don't find it too expensive, that's where everyone's going at the top. Him and Keenan Allen in the mid-range. Robbie Anderson and Corey Davis are generating a lot of buzz in that five and low $6,000 area. And while he's not projected into double digits right now, Brashad Perriman is likely the punt wide receiver with Denzel Mims missing this game and Jamison Crowder banged up, where that's where you're going to save your money this week at $3,900. If you want to fade Brashad Perriman, you could probably do it, although he is a big play threat and he can get there. Not necessarily all on one play, but with the generated target share that he should receive here, I understand the play a lot. At tight end, uh, one guy above all in double digits, that's Travis Kelsey. No one else projects in the double digits. Logan Thomas would be second uh, just because he's so cheap. Uh, but that's you're, right now you're looking at like 7 8%, 9% in terms of overall ownership. So don't be deterred by Logan Thomas. It does appear like people's infatuation with J.D. McKissick and not wanting to have two footballs on their team is having people lean towards McKissick over Logan Thomas in a vast amount right now. I have McKissick projected at over double the ownership of Logan Thomas. Quarterback, completely flat. Uh, Expect your usuals to be at the very top. Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, I do think ends up being the highest owned guy, but those three should end up being one, two, three as it comes in this week. And then at defense, uh, it's two cheapies. Well, now nah, I guess the Seahawks aren't super cheap, but everyone's loving the Cowboys with Brandon Allen under center. Uh, listen, just fade chalk defenses. That's usually the right place. Sometimes they hit the majority of the time they don't. So if you can just go anywhere else, that's usually a pretty good idea. The Cowboys are $2,400. You could take a shot on the Falcons against Justin Herbert, especially with Herbert, very high ownership. Uh, that way you can kind of double edge sword yourself that if the Falcons defense does come through, then it likely means that Justin Herbert has had a very poor game. So I don't love any of these defenses from $2,500 and below. I'd probably stick with the football team at $2,800. That's probably my favorite low-end defense to go to. And if we do go above that, yeah, you could see... I mean, the Seahawks are pretty good. I mentioned the Bears earlier. If no one's going to be on them at $3,000 at home, that's not a terrible spot to be in. Uh, so those, that the Bears, uh, primarily the footballs, maybe the Buccaneers. You don't need to spend a ton on defense to get away from the chalk. So that's the area where I would go. Bonus content. Paul and I will not be reviewing the challenge episode per episode like we've done in previous seasons. We've got a lot going on football and MMA and there's still golf going on. Plus we launched the new network. If you haven't subscribed to Mayo Media Network, please go do that right now. It really helps out. But from time to time, you know, I got my thoughts on the challenge. This was episode, well, episode zero and episode one. Episode zero was essentially like the preview episode. Anyway, Paul is behind the glass today. So you're, you're not going to see Paul, but he has his microphone open. Just say, you know, I want to share my thoughts about the challenge. If you're looking for full recap episodes of the challenge, double A agents, just subscribe to Mayo media network. And the challenge Chronicles podcast team is going to be doing their episode by episode in depth 
recap. Plus, they're going to touch on the fantasy scoring as well for the year. If you've joined that league, you might want to go check that out. That's up on the YouTube channel right now, and you can find the links to subscribe to their audio podcast. Same show, but you can either watch it on YouTube or get it in your ear, your AirPods as you're walking around and I don't know, walking the dog. I, I don't know what you people do. You're just sitting at home, don't want to bother anyone else. Put it in, listen to the audio, the Challenge Chronicles. You can search it wherever you download podcasts or hit the description of this video and you can find the link to the YouTube and all of the places where you can subscribe to their audio podcast, The Challenge Chronicles. Highly recommend it. It was a good show this week. Remember to smash the like button for this video too. Tell me your MVP of episode one because Paul, I think... Mm-hmm that I may have made a mistake not drafting Cam on my fantasy team. You made a mistake? Well, yeah, your captain's out. My captain got eliminated in the first episode. Well, I mean, I have Natalie as well, so like, I bet you I have like Boku to points, but got absolutely screwed. Rob, Rob knew there was something going on there because he was just like, yeah, I don't think it's going to be a good season for Ashley. Rob always knows. Well, I mean, he ended up like we made a bet where I said that CT would go farther than Westwood, and then they both end up in the first elimination. But not really. Did you did you like the the twist at the end? Well, no, because it really worked against me. I was hoping it was going to be guys guys versus guys because I don't have CT or Wes, and uh, obviously one of the the leading men of the this season's challenge would have been eliminated. That would have been ideal. Ran ran real cold, real cold that night. Yeah, but you know what you're getting into when you draft Ashley on your team. I mean, if she's going up there against, I mean, there's a lot of good girls in the house this season. It's it's going to be uh, tough matchups. I I feel for the big tees of the world. Like if she gets in there with like Natalie or, I mean, most of the girls are absolute uh, savages this year. So it's. Uh, a lot of good girl competitions. I don't know about the guys, though. Yeah, the, the women's side might be the strongest it's ever been, especially when you start including, like, Lolo into that mix. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, the big T's, the nannies, like, the rookies that we don't really know anything about, I think they're in a really good spot because everyone seems to be gunning for all the really good people and trying to get them to go head-to-head with each other and save all the layups for later. So you might get to a situation like last year when somehow like Kyle got to go in against Josh to get his skull to get to the finals, where it just no one will – once everyone gets their skull, they're not going to want to go in anymore. It's going to leave all these like scrub players to fight off against each other. They should really be picking them off. That should be the move. I get putting in CT – uh, against West. Who do you think would have won that if they had to face each other? CT. You think so? Uh-huh. We were talking about Neckbeard. Neckbeard West this season. Yeah, West. I'm not impressed. I don't... I liked how he was just like, I've won nine finals, and they show, like, him, like, roid raging out from years ago. <laughs> just like, Wes... You're, uh, this is not, this is not what we're dealt with. This is not the hand we have at this point in time. He also lied about the nine finals because he has not been in nine finals, which is awesome. You think Natalie's gonna, or are we going through this like sequentially? No, no, or? we just, just bring up, we're, we're not spending three hours talking about the challenge. Anything you want to bring up, whatever Nat- order? Do you think Natalie walks? I think she sticks with Wes. It's an interesting predicament that she's in. Of well, course, he's really good strategically, but it seems as though the numbers and the people want to get the big players out of there. And yeah, I mean, but once you get a skull, I think they're probably going to continue to come after you as well. So I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know if I'd want to go after Natalie. No, I, there's not many girls in that house that I think want to go after. No, because like that. Who would Olymp- be your biggest threat? 
on the female side? Yeah. Like, who who are the best girls in the house? Mm-hmm. Lolo's the best. Yeah, of course. I, I don't even think that's close. I, I mean, maybe you get she her... She could have beaten... She would have beat everyone in that by 20 minutes. Yeah. She might have beat every guy in the house by 20 minutes. Being a little bit lighter would have been helpful. I, mean, I guess Ashley's pretty light, though. Yeah, but Ashley doesn't have, like... Strength. Lolo has strength. Yeah. Like, I think Cam would have been good at that. Lolo would have been good at that. Casey would have been really good at that. Mm-hmm. That's like a real, really sneaky under-the-radar team. Because you got Leroy, who was just going to ride Cam's coattails this entire time. And Casey, who's like, could be the best girl. I, she was good last year. And she doesn't really ruffle any feathers. They're in that big brother alliance, which looks really strong. Yeah, along good, with- good in terms of the show. Maybe not in fantasy scoring, though. No, and Casey be, doesn't get involved in pretty much anything in terms of dramas. Well, she could hook up with Nani again. Fair. Or she could hook up with Nicole Z. True. Nicole Z will be game. All right, Nicole Z is game for anyone. She's gonna try to she's gonna just hit the light switch, try to turn everyone to go with her. <laughs> we didn't get like we didn't get much of I guess the first episode, so we didn't get much of her. We got basically no Devin, their partners. I thought the did you like how they picked the partners? Like Anissa gets first pick, and then Fessy's like, "Fuck, this sucks." Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, Anissa's not that. She's bad. bad. I'm sure. That wouldn't have been his first selection, but he was he was doing the look at the ground, like I'm gonna look over here, and like it was very clear it was gonna be fat. Like, if you had the if you won the women's challenge, you had one guy to pick, he'd be the pick, wouldn't he? This yeah, he kind of seems like young CT. Yeah, he's sort of like he's a powerhouse. He's like Zach and CT mixed into one. Mm-hmm. But he's not as much of like an idiot as Zach. Zach gets himself into a lot of trouble. Yeah, that's true. He's a bit more, and we'll, we'll see. He was all over that trailer. That's how he ended up. On, I watched the declassified episode before picking my team because it came out on the Monday. And just the entire like this season on trailer is just fessy, fessy, fessy. Like it feels like him and Cam are definitely going to the finals. Yeah, but, but the Cam edit the way that like she because she did this on. I want to say final reckoning, whatever it was. Like she set up like the whole house to have like made a huge political move for everything to work into her favor. And it worked. And then they threw a twist at her where it was like, oh no, it's a mercenary team coming in. So she set everything up this time. It completely worked out. And then as it turns out, West is not going against CT. They're both, I presume they're both safe. Like I saw them in the trailer for the rest of the season. So I assume CT is not out because his partner lost. It's going to be interesting to see how this all kind of plays out with... When they switch teams, how they switch teams, like I'm, I'm very confused by all of that right now. Well, it appears like Natalie can pick whoever she wants as yeah. a guy to be her partner. But like to become like the mercenary or the double agent. Well, the, how, I, how I does believe that the, work? I believe the double agents are the winning team. That's what they're calling them. I don't know what how like. Well, let's say Natalie sticks with Wes. What happens to CT? I don't know. Is he just like chilling in the house? Doesn't have to compete or anything? I have no idea. Yeah, I know. I've, I found that that all kind of weird. And, uh, for full disclosure, my car got broken into, so I was like filing a police report while I was watching the episode. So I missed some of the finer details. They stole all my clothes, those assholes. Well, you can get new clothes now. I already got some new clothes and got the window fixed and all of that. They stole an Xbox, a bunch of clothes. Bah humbug, Merry Christmas. Uh, everything's all right. but uh, But yeah, I wasn't able. I was, you know... 
half of my eye was on one on the screen. The other one was filling out this stupid report. Well, the but thing- uh, so yeah, I missed out some of the finer details. I didn't. I, I don't know if they kind of explained how people become de- double agents. I saw the end teaser there, and they're just like, uh huh. Like there was a scene where Kyle was saying that he was a double agent at one point, and Nelson was a double agent. I, but but those guys are idiots, and they might just be saying, <laughs> yeah, they, they will uh, they will reveal themselves far faster than they should. So CT is going to be a loner. So if this keeps up, so it's a women's elimination, then I'm presuming next week's a men's elimination. If they keep that order, then it's always going to be a male competitor who's like the solo person. So I assume that has to get flipped mm-hmm. at some point, or maybe it's not always individual. It, it, I don't think that they're making up the rules as they're going along. But it does seem like. Do you think that they end the maybe, season in pairs? Maybe like when you win like a challenge, you can like choose to like switch teams or something like that. And maybe like because CT doesn't have a female teammate right now, like the next week, like whoever is the female who wins the the challenge, maybe she can choose CT. Yeah, whoever the female who wins the elimination. Not even the elimination. I'm talking about, like, the challenge. Next week's episode, like... Yeah, but I think they're competing in pairs now. Yeah, but CT doesn't have a teammate. Like maybe he doesn't compete? Maybe. Like it's all... I need to see how episode two ends up going. I'm, I'm glad that CT, who's not my... Lolo is my captain, but having CT still alive kind of helps. I was worried that he might get eliminated. Yeah, I was hoping him or Wes were going to get eliminated. If that was a male thing, I am laughing at this point of the season. Now I've I've lost my captain. Well, I, I mean, I don't know how good CT would be at that. I don't know how good Wes would be at it, but... I would... Le- Leroy did that. Leroy, what was it? It was Leroy and Naya, I think. Yeah, against I remember Naya doing Bananas that. and Nani. Mm-hmm. And Nani got stuck. Yeah, and Leroy fucking destroyed it. Yeah, but that theirs didn't have that little like nub in the middle of it either. They no. definitely made this one a little bit harder. It was, but it also wasn't as long. Like Leroy, it took Nani like twenty five minutes to complete her end. I don't even think she completed. And mm-hmm. Leroy did it in what seemed like ninety seconds. Yeah, he, he absolutely he killed it, as TJ would say. So, you know, how okay, so they started picking their partners. They're like, okay, Anissa, you get to pick then. Free for all. Pick whoever you want. How did no one end up with Lolo? People don't like Lolo. But the team that the guy that she got, the German dude, like that, I would be terrified to fight. Like that team's going to be awesome. Yeah, he looks jacked. She's an Olympian. I mean, how can it go wrong? I don't know. Maybe she just goes nuts at one point. Maybe the maybe the house starts targeting Lolo. I don't know. But if you target Lolo and Nam, don't forget Rob was a little bit low on Lolo. That's true. Spoiler, Rob. <laughs> Something's. I don't want to. I want to believe that he is a man of his word. Uh, we talked not- about it. He doesn't actually look at spoilers. And I mean, one time I tripped apart uh, across them the year that Naya uh, touched Jordan's dick. That one got kicked off. Mm-hmm. It was the last Teresa season. Like some of the pairings were just really weird. Like, why did Tori go with Corey? Yeah, because they're like immediately. Next to each other. Like she just turned to him, like, "Hey, want to be partners?" It's just like, where did this come from? I guess it doesn't really. matter. I guess they were talking alliances beforehand, and Corey, you know, Jordan's not there. Not that that would really matter in terms of Tori and Corey being on a team, but I don't know. Maybe she, you know she was. They were in a hotel room. Or at the hotel before they actually go to the actual compound. You know, maybe a few of them were all together, you know, colluding, 
figuring out who their mates are going to be on this season. I don't know. I guess so. CT was looking for her to be a partner, though. And then he shaded Cam big time. Although, Cam didn't really give a great uh, representation of herself. She's like, hey, CT, do you want to be your partner? He's like, hey, well, why why should I pick you as my partner? She goes, because I'm killer Cam. And he's like, okay. It's not, <laughs> it is true. Yeah. He's like, that, that's not a great explanation. I'm sorry. Yeah, here's my catchphrase. Sign me. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was not the best. And she hasn't like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know where she, where her head was at there. But, I mean, it, he probably is immediately regretting it because they're on the outside of this massive alliance. It is, but how is this alliance going to work? Because if you can steal people's partners, it can't last very long. Yeah, and if somebody can switch partners potentially and be with CT, then... Uh, he may just end up A-OK as well. Yeah, I thought it was really bizarre. Like, Leroy didn't end up going with Cam because they wanted to spread themselves out, which maybe they knew what was going to happen in the first place, because if not, if it was like a traditional pair season, you don't lose your partner, wouldn't you want to be together? Yeah, you'd think so. I I get having, like, more buy, and maybe they're like, hey, whatever we win, we'll split the money, so it doesn't really matter. But she ended up with Josh. Yeah what why i don't know like nelson was there i I guess because to be in the big brother alliance apparently but like nelson got the girl who no one knows yeah what's what's his teammates Uh, other amber Darrell got one amber Amber, and nelson got the other amber i think Darrell got the good amber well who was it that uh it was Darrell that was like i would have been your teammate who was he saying that to again i forget he said that to no natalie hit he was trying to get Natalie, but Wes got her. True. No, but somebody... No, it was Anissa. Darrell was trying to go with Anissa? Well, he said, he like, Darrell's kind of like... Oh, no, Darrell said, I would take you as a partner. But yeah. that was well after Anissa had picked someone. Because, like, like, Fessy was acting as though he didn't want to be with her. He's like, I would, I'd roll with you, kind of thing. I mean, Darrell, I don't know how good his partner is, but... Darrell's a Darrell's pro- a beast. Probably got to be. Him He's going to be a problem. I would say him or Fessy are the two favorites. Physically, yeah. Just they had like Darrell. It was kind of stupid to put in like CT and Wes. Like both those guys can win a final, but Darrell is going to win the final if he gets there. So you have to get rid of him if you want to win. I mean, Wes is the guy you want to get rid of. But why though? Like, I don't think he's such a good negotiator that he gets he gets gets the game going completely in his favor. That's the guy you want to get rid of. But is he going to beat you in the final? I don't think he is. No, but he'll get you eliminated by not being on his alliance. Sure, then just suck suck up to Wes. Like, and be like, yeah, I'll bring you with the final. No problem. Bring you and Kyle and I'll win. Like, CT's not nearly as dodgy. Darrell is like basically not dodgy at all. His game is pretty straightforward for the most part. He just wants to smash you. Fessy, I feel like maybe a little bit of like little grease, but I mean that jacket. That, that jacket, jacket is fire. <laughs> I, I, I am I am big on the jacket game. Like I don't like cold weather challenges because you know I want to see people in bikinis out hanging out on the beach, getting drunk. This is a decent compromise because it doesn't seem like it's too cold. Like it really seems to depend on where people are from. Because Ashley was walking around in a bikini because God bless Ashley. Mm-hmm. But everyone else is wearing like peacoat jackets. 100%, yeah. How in are you on TJ being like, my final, you're playing my game? It seems like a bit much. I may have missed that. 
missed that while following reports. Uh, d- don't worry. When you watch next week's episode, uh, you'll hear all about it. He's just he's taking complete ownership over the final being completely his? Yeah. Just the entire game. Like, very clearly, according to TJ, he has set everything up. He has designed the challenges. He's designed the eliminations, which I'm sure he was flown in, like, two days before to film his, like, secret. I I do enjoy the cheesiness that's going on with this season with the secret agent stuff. It really harkens back to a simpler time in the challenge. But maybe they're taking it too seriously. It reminds me of how serious they took the opening of the Duel 2 when everyone was doing the haka. Mm-hmm. And there was no irony in it whatsoever. TJ is really selling the secret agent stuff with zero irony, which is really making it unintentionally hilarious. Yeah. Is, is there going to be uh, like massive drinking and partying this year? Like it didn't really, like that trailer didn't really like, I didn't see that type of stuff all that much. No, but uh, I, what? Like, I mean, if everyone's getting tested, you're in a compound in what? Iceland. Like, get drunk. I Whatever. Think that, as I long think as nobody's got coronavirus and you're all in a you know secure area and nobody from the outside is coming in, I, I don't see any issue in, in getting lit. I don't think that people want to get lit on the first night before they know what's going on. Because there might be a challenge. See, like that's challenge. why the challenge has changed, Pat. I, I agree. But I think that they knew that there was going to be a challenge like early the next morning. So they're like, eh. So I think we'll see more of that. They built them a club, so that's true. They were at what? They were at the club. That Joseph guy's just sleeping there. Yeah, well, he was big the one- T. Big T trying to get in there. When, when Big T is the strongest part of your team, it's a it's a tough scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. There's no way that guy lasts. No, but Big T might last because if it's going to be male, people like Big T. Yeah, big, and she's big a T's great, great. Big T's great for TV. People seem to enjoy her. I enjoy her only because she's like the only positive person on the show. Just has a great outlook on on everything, really. She's a very she's a a gentle soul. She is. She's trying to politics. She's trying to compete, but she'll get saved as a layup for later on in the game. Mm-hmm. I just what elimination can she win? What would the elimination have to be? I mean, yeah the the cast of girls this season is very very strong. Like I'm just like if she went up against Lolo somehow. Like what does she actually not hurt herself facing Lolo in? Maybe she beats like a Nisa in like an endurance challenge or something. That could happen. Maybe Nani. I think this team. I of don't Nani, think Nani's very good. I think I think this team of Nani and Kyle is super sneaky. No one's ever going to vote them in because no one perceives them as like a big threat whatsoever. Well, on that preseason thing, they were talking about him being the uh, the snake. Yeah, but that's Kyle. Yeah, people but- like Kyle. Eh, people people like, don't really trust Kyle. No one trusts Kyle, but they like there there's something to He's a good ch- hang. Yeah, there's something to the challenge. Because I, I I forget who I was listening to say it. But the reason that like Big Easy would always stay on all these seasons, just like people liked having Big Easy in the house. You know, like he's not gonna win, but we're not gonna vote him in because he's huge and he could knock you out potentially. But like he's someone to drink with in the house. Like he's a good time. So true. Might, might as well keep him. If you're gonna be stuck somewhere for like eight weeks, you you might at least want to have one or two people you enjoy. Hundred percent. And Nani's kind of the same way. Yeah. And they're not bad either. Like they're not good, but they're not bad. They're right in the middle. So they kind of stay off everyone's radar. Like they probably they they might win an elimination, not necessarily uh, they might win like one of the daily challenges at one point. Maybe they get to pick who they want to go in and sneak in skulls. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah, I can see that. CT should have picked Cam. Yeah, he fucked up. Although 
I feel like Cam, the, the edit that we got of Cam in episode one, was a lot of Cam, mm-hmm. that I feel like she's setting up for disappointment here. There's a lot of talk about like Leroy wants to get his first win. Cam is like the, basically the star of the season so far that usually doesn't go well for those people. Wes should have picked Cam. Think about the political powerhouse you'd have going there. I, I don't think, I don't think that'd be a good team. Why not? I mean, it's just about politics, really. It is, but I think that they play two completely different brands of politics. How so? Well, Wes is just very sneaky about everything, and Cam is kind of more overt about everything. She kind of, like, bullies people into doing what she wants, and she always gets away with it, too. Whereas, she, was, she was the one that did, like, the, the backstab or whatever. You know, I, I get that, but, like, on everyone... previous seasons. Like, eventually, like, everyone has to be in on it if that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It just feels like Wes wants to play one way, Cam wants to play another way, and neither of them would relent. Like, if Wes went and did one thing, Cam would probably just undermine him and go do something different, and vice versa. If you go through the history of seasons with Wes and his partners, he usually finds someone who will just be agreeable. Yes, and him. Cam would not like be. Like, D from previous seasons. D just listened to everything Wes told her to do and it, it worked out for d obviously in the long term um i think natalie is kind of the same good athlete tons of potential to to win like eliminations and all that type of stuff but um you know very agreeable i don't think she's gonna like when Wes has a suggestion of how they should politically stand in certain situations i think she'll just be agreeable because he's the veteran in this game yeah, I agree. I think I think Natalie's a better partner for him than someone yeah, like Cam. Cam would be too strong, too th- strong of a mind for Wes. Wes wants to be able to be the boss in the in the partnership. Yeah, and maybe that's why CT didn't go with Cam either. Yeah, just because he like CT. He's likes the to opposite. Lay, well, CT likes to lay low. Yeah, he wants to lay low, so he has Ashley. He picked Ashley because Ashley is not going to lay low. She'll do all the dirty work politics for him. Maybe that was his mindset. I mean, I think it's because they ran. They both won on that season. Uh, they like he won for the guys on Invasion. She won for the girls. So he knows that like if she goes to a final, she's really good. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why you end up picking her. That's but why it, I had her as a captain. But it, but it seems like she has a huge target on her back, regardless of what happens Man. on any season. Bullshit. I mean, she needed. You know, it was stupid of me to do it. Like she needs Kara and Polly around. She has Kara and Polly around. That's big. Those are two allies pretty much year in and year yeah, out. Yeah, but like Cam's point. usually her ally. Not this season. Well, Cam's in with the big brother people. The big brother people are real boring, by the way. Yeah. Except for Josh, who's the worst of them. <laughs> but I find <laughs> did, I, did Josh do much in that episode? No, he didn't even have like a crying episode. I didn't, I, I, I didn't notice anything, really. I, I turned to my wife when we were watching it, and I was like, I can't believe I like Josh now. Polly came from. Uh, Big brother, didn't he? Yeah, now now he's like not on the show anymore. Why not? I don't know. But he should be. I, I like. Think he, I, I, I would, think Polly's good TV. I would take Polly without Kara or Kara without Polly. Yeah, but having them together is insufferable. Yeah, no, they're just cuddling all the time. You see, Tori and Jordan broke up in real life. I did see that. I was kind of surprised. Now I did on my Instagram. It popped up that there was a picture of like uh, you know, someone from far away took it of Tori vacationing with who Fessy oh then that's what happens this Pat's looking at spoilers well it's already after the season started no I know it just popped but up you know what's gonna happen on this season then now well do I or is this kind of maybe, maybe they both happens go to the after final? The, I bet you it happens on this season maybe that's who he's banging on the show 
Maybe. I'm surprised no one took Nelson. We didn't even see anything. He didn't even get like to mispronounce a word. Nelson's a good competitor. I I know. Pretty underrated. But the problem with Nelson, he just he makes real boneheaded decisions. Yeah, well, he's an idiot. Yeah. But he's a friendly idiot. Yeah, that's true. And but not I, always a friendly idiot, though. He can be an asshole. Yeah, well, he, sometimes he drinks too much. When he drinks too much, he can be a big time dickhead. But I think the I think his heart is in the right place. I mean, we've all been there before. Maybe not all of us, but I've been there before. Heart's in the right place, but uh, sometimes uh, it just it just doesn't come out the right way. So besides Lolo and Nam, any rookies stand out? Mm. Leo Rush. Well, Natalie. Oh yeah, Natalie. Yeah, Natalie would be the one, wouldn't she? I mean, she just beat a two-time champion. Yeah, Ashley's not great at physical eliminations. Ashley's not too bad. I don't think, uh, Ashley, I don't think Ashley has ever won a physical elimination. No. Was, she, wins she, didn't, she didn't even do that bad. It's not like it was a complete blowout, but... Man, the one that got away. My season's already over. I'm trying I should have made two lineups, because since there was the Pat Mayo League and the Paul Shag League, I should have made another one without... Ashley is my captain. Yeah, I'm looking at your team right now. You had Ashley as the captain. She only scored 22 points, too. She didn't yeah. have, like, a freakout episode. Absolute, absolute dust. But you have Anissa, Fessy, Josh, Lolo, and Natalie. We have very similar players. Yeah, except you How'd you captain. end up on Anissa? Uh, it was just what I had left. Okay. I mean, like, you, if you looked at the pricing, the $140, I think I had $140 left. Anissa's $130, and it's just like, nope. Nope, nope. Like, there was nobody I wanted to do. I actually took Gabby in that spot because I saw her making out with Fessy. And I, and I saw that Fessy was Anissa's partner. So I was just like, well, might as well double stack that. But yeah. then, like, you know the first opportunity Fessy has to find himself a new teammate. He's bouncing. Oh, of course. Or if one of the strong girls ends up winning, they'll just replace Anissa on that team and team up with Fessy. Mm-hmm. So I have CT, Fessy, Gabby, who actually scored a decent amount of points. Uh, Josh Martinez, Nani, and Lolo as my team captain. Nice. I need we I need more. Her attire is out of this world. Lolo's? I don't know. It's like she's somehow combined like late 80s and late 90s into one, and that's how she's currently dressing. Interesting. I can't really impic- I can't really envision it right now. Like she was wearing these jeans with a bunch of holes in them, but they were like really baggy jeans at the same time. It was just like I don't know where this fashion sense is coming. I- I've never seen anyone dress like this outside of like a music video. I'm just searching Lolo Jones the challenge to see if there's any recent photos. It probably does her steamrolling up that hill. I'm just trying to see if there's any recent photos of Lolo here. I don't really know what you mean. All right, well, I wasn't you. looking too close. You're the fashion expert here, Pat. It's true. I barely have clothes. Yeah, you have no clothes left. Yeah, barely. I'm it, naked. That's why I'm not on screen right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah Paul, Paul, yeah. Paul <laughs> only has his thongs left, and that's what he's currently wearing behind the camera. Anyway, any, any final thoughts on this? No, not really. I mean, I'm looking forward to the season. I really want to see how this whole, the double agents works out or, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Because are they already double agents and I don't even know? Like, ah! I hope that they establish the rules within the next episode or two mm-hmm. and they stick with it. I hate when they, oh, here's here are the rules, but no, no, in episode 11, we're changing the rules. I hate that. Just, yeah. like, stick to it. Maybe, at the, fi- t- maybe t- in the final, it's like an individual final. I'm good with that. 
So you get one guy and one woman winner. But mm-hmm. I, like if the whole premise is like you can switch teams if you win an elimination, I'm good with that. But then don't like lock the teams at one point. Yeah, 100%. Because that'd be stupid. That would be very stupid. All right. That'll do it. Pat Mayo Experience, The Challenge. You want the full recap? Check out the Challenge Chronicles podcast on their podcast feeds for audio or for video, which is actually just audio, uh, but you can listen to it on the Mayo Media Network. YouTube channel, please rate, review, and subscribe. Smash the like button to this episode. I just want to talk the challenge. So there it was. Hit me with your MVP of episode one in the comment section too, all right? I will be back periodically doing these. Maybe Paul jumping in when he's not like distracted watching something else. And maybe I'll even jump on the Challenge Chronicles with Devin Trace and Rob from time to time. Not every week, but when I got something to say about the challenge, I will pop up and talk about the challenge. That's my guarantee to you out there, all right? I'm Pat Mayo. Thanks for watching. I'll see you next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.